thankful for his presence and being in his house once again tonight. Just great to be here and great to see all of you tonight. Excited for God's word tonight. Um, uh, another uh, guest, uh, I don't know if he ever teaches on Wednesday night, but uh, I felt like uh, this would be a good Wednesday for him to our assistant pastor to come and, and teach a little bit tonight. So let's give him a hand as he comes. Praise the Lord, church. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord one more time as we're entering into a time of his word. Just pour out your love on the Lord right now. And I know that we already have, but let's do that again. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father. Your presence is heaven to me. Thank you, Jesus. I love that song because there's, I mean, that is, that is the way to describe it. I mean, as close to heaven as we can get without being in heaven is just being in his presence. And I can't wait until, um, can I say physically? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> right there, I'll be in his presence in heaven. And then we'll really be doing some singing. And I just, I love being in the presence of God. I love uh, just being in the house of God. And every time I'm, I'm in here, you know, Sunday seems like Sunday's just, Sunday's what you do. I never take Sunday for granted, but when I'm in here on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, throughout the week, whenever we're here, I'm always thankful to have a love for the house of God. That's not toot my own horn. I'm thankful that I have a love for the house of God. I'm thankful for people that have a love for the house of God. Thank you for being in church tonight. I'm not going to ramble anymore. I want to uh, read from just one verse of scripture to get started tonight. This is something... Uh, a, a lot of it, a good portion of it, uh, you've heard teaching on before, and I like teaching. Um, I like teaching on salvation uh, specifically, a little more in depth, uh, at least a couple times a year. And and as new people come in, as the church grows, and thank God the church is growing. Uh, and, and people are coming in and, and just becoming a part of the family. And so I like teaching things like this, uh, you know, throughout, you know, a few times throughout the year. Anyway, Hebrews uh, chapter 2 and verse 3 just says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Salvation is not something to neglect. And I would go further to say that uh, the truth of salvation is not something to neglect. Amen? Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated one more time. Just give God some praise. Thank you, Jesus. These are, are things that are, are beneficial to us as the church to, um, you know, every, every time I, I've taught from salvation, 
that wasn't directly from some other, uh, you know, uh, pre-written Bible study or something like that. I, I feel like I've I've built on to this uh, for probably two or three years now, um, and it gets longer and longer every time. But these are things that are beneficial for us to as the church. I, I said I was thinking about this earlier. Even said something about it. But this world today is having an identity crisis. And and I had mentioned, you know, I think that the reason that that undefined uh, or undecided identities is is such a huge part of the spirit of this world is because the enemy loves an identity crisis. And if, if people, that's why this world is in turmoil. That's why so many people are in turmoil and, and, and dealing with things that they're dealing with is because they don't know who they are or who they're meant to be. And the church cannot have an identity crisis. And, and there are many areas of Christianity, uh, what, what you would call Christianity uh, today, that I believe are having an identity crisis. <laughs> and you can see it. Uh, because uh, it kind of breaks down a a church. It breaks down a movement when you don't really know what you stand for, or if you say what you stand for, it doesn't have a foundation. We as the apostolic church have got to know who we are. We can't have an identity crisis. That now especially is not the time for us to have an identity crisis. And I believe in teaching truth and teaching truth in love, but, but also standing firm in truth. You can stand firm in love if you didn't know. But this salvation that is ours, it, it's, it's not a common thing. In Acts 10, this experience that Peter had says, On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And when he became very hungry... Uh, and he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance, uh, saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. We understand that uh, he's talking about salvation being extended to the Gentiles. He's about to have this run in with Cornelius. And, uh, and we're going to see, and, and then we'll see Peter talking to the church a little bit later about, Hey, look, I know this started with us, but now the Lord is trying to get us to take this to the Gentiles too. And we learn there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, or Jew or Greek. It's, it's one salvation for everyone. This salvation is not common. It's a miraculous salvation. It's the greatest miracle, I would say, in human history. Of any miracle that we can talk about, salvation is the greatest miracle that we could ever experience. And there are all kinds of beliefs today in this world, and God help us if we lump this truth that we know just into a pile of all kinds of different beliefs and denominations. Because the last time I checked, Noah didn't say, 
I'm building nine or ten arcs. You can choose which one you're most comfortable in. He said, I'm building this ark, and you're either in this ark or you're drowning. I was paraphrasing, but you know. The apostolic church is the only church. Now, listen, you got to know I'm in the right spirit with this, okay? Because I know we all have friends, family members. I know we know people from different walks, different backgrounds. I, this, is not a, this is not a thing, and I always say this, it's not a thing or an issue of me saying I'm right and you're wrong. This is not an issue where we are, are, tell people, you know, your grandmama was wrong, the way you were raised was wrong, I'm right. It's not something that you shove in people's face to say, I'm right and you're wrong, you don't know anything and I know everything. That's not where I'm coming from tonight. And I, and I think if you know me, you know that's where I'm not coming from tonight. But the apostolic church that we read about, first in the book of Acts, is the only church that God ordained and birthed into existence. The apostolic church is the church that has stayed faithful to the word of God and is the church that continues to grow and expand and preach the gospel all over the world. The apostolic... Uh, maybe, I, maybe I don't need to say some of these things. I'm just saying, who, who do people call when the diagnosis is terminal? Who do people call in emergencies? <laughs> Maybe you have to have an experience like that to understand where I'm coming from with that. But uh, There's power in the truth that we have. There's, there's something real about the truth that we have and that we profess and that we live. And this salvation is not common. That's why when, I, when we get together on Sundays, we should never think it's just another Sunday. When we get together on Wednesdays, Mondays, Fridays, whenever, it's never just another service. It's a chance and an opportunity for the gospel, the truth, for salvation to be preached, and not just preached, but experienced, because that's our mission. That's our mission. I want to try and, uh, there's a lot of this probably that I will uh, expedite tonight for the sake of time because really I can teach two or three different lessons out of all the notes that I have here but when we when we talk about apostolic I said earlier that I, I don't like to just lump apostolic in with a bunch of different denominations and beliefs and things uh, you'll generally find the definition of apostolic to be belonging or related to the early followers of Jesus Christ or to their teaching. And that, that is, you hear us say a lot of times we're apostolic in doctrine, Pentecostal in experience, you hear people say that. Uh, and apostolic, that, it, it relates to the, the teachings of the apostles of the first church. Uh, and they, I mean, they were taught by Jesus. <laughs> they didn't get this, they got it from him. And the reason I don't lump apostolic in as another denomination of Christianity is because there are several denominations that also identify as apostolic. Did you know that the Catholic Church identifies as apostolic? Did you know that? The, the Catholic Church identifies as apostolic. And 
and I'm not being snarky saying that. It's just because you normally think that's such a huge contrast between the two. But the Catholics teach that their doctrine is apostolic. They say it goes that everything that they do comes directly from Jesus, directly from the early church. They say Peter was their first pope. You know, uh, the thing that that uh, gets me about that is that to be apostolic, you have to teach and do the, the teachings of the apostles and Jesus of the early church. Uh, and none of that you'll find in Catholicism. Again, I'm in the right spirit tonight. I'm not here to slam anybody. Uh, but and, and it's the same, you know, really with Pentecostal, there are several denominations that uh, believe in the Pentecostal experience. The definition of Pentecostal says relating to or denoting any number of Christian movements and individuals emphasizing baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues or prophecy or healing or exorcism. That's what it says. So a lot of people believe in these powerful things that we know that we can see and experience and believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost and call themselves Pentecostal. They believe in that Pentecostal experience. You still with me? But it's about what you do and what you live and what it's about the truth of the Word of God. I, I said something about the Catholic Church identifying as apostolic, but uh, in in the second volume of the Catholic Encyclopedia, it states that the baptismal formula was changed by the Catholic Church from "in the name of Jesus Christ" to in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the second century. They say we're apostolic, but we're going to change what the apostles taught and what they did and now do it this way, but we're apostolic. And it, it, it doesn't, I'm trying to be nice, it doesn't make sense. It's not biblical. To be apostolic, and I am going somewhere with this. I'm not just giving you a bunch of random facts, okay? Is this all right? To be apostolic, you have to, there's something that comes with being apostolic. There's, there's a truth that we hold near and dear as the apostolic church. The, the, the Catholic and Orthodox churches formed in a split from a dispute over jurisdiction over the church in Sicily in the year 1054. The Methodist church was founded in 1932 in Great Britain. The Baptist Church was founded in Amsterdam in 1609 and then in England in 1612 and then established in America in 1638. The Episcopal Church was founded in 1789. The Southern Baptist Church was founded in 1845 in Augusta, Georgia. The Lutheran Church in 1847. The Presbyterian Church in 1983. The Mormon Church in 1830, Anglican Church in 1867, Jehovah's Witness in 1872. The Apostolic Church in Acts 2 and verse 1 was founded when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 
and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And also in chapter 2 of Acts, in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I say all that not to slam any other denomination. I say all that not not to say, hmm. I, I'm trying to get us to see there's a plethora of denominations of Christianity. Some similarities between certain ones, mostly just astronomical uh, distances between uh, others. But the church that you read about in the Bible, that's who we are. That's what we do. That's what we believe. What I just read is the experience that we teach and believe. I want to talk about this great salvation for just a few minutes today. Salvation according to Scripture. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love that Scripture. Apostolics are not against John 3.16. But can I base my faith solely on this one verse? I can't. And here's why. Because I believe in order to be saved. I I believe that you have to believe in order to be saved. But it takes more than believing, and it takes more than faith. Believing requires action. Faith without works is dead. Even so, faith, if it hath not works is dead, being alone. Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Makes me think of, ye are washed, you are justified. I can't be justified by faith only. But by works is a man justified. Did you know that a few Verses before John 3.16, Jesus was telling Nicodemus that except a man be born of water and of spirit, that is, Jesus' name, baptism, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, except he be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' words. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Did you know that Jesus speaks about believing in Mark 16 and 16 and says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 21 does say, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But did you know that when they called on the name of the Lord according to Scripture, It was in baptism. We see in Acts 22 when Ananias baptized Paul that he did it calling on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus. 
Did you know that later in John 7 and 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The next verse says this, exactly. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. We see Jesus making clear the essentiality of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and that they both should accompany believing in Him. This is why you don't base your salvation on one sole scripture. Even the Bible says that it's line upon line. It builds this is why I've told people before that you, you need to read the Bible. I know that we skip around when we read a lot of times, but you should read the Bible chronologically and see the timeline of events and how everything that Jesus did was leading up to this. Everything that he taught and he preached and that he was doing was leading up to this salvation that he was going to make accessible to us. That's why you have, to, you have to take the whole thing. That's why people quote scripture out of context and don't even realize they're doing it. Is because if, if I were to only say, you know, if I could only look at John 3.16, and that's my salvation, and some people do. I could only look where it says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And it would be uh, incomplete there as well if I didn't realize that he said that he that believeth on him should receive the Holy Ghost because it all works together. And we, we see that before Jesus leaves the earth and the flesh, he has some things to say about how we as his disciples should carry on. Luke 24 and 47 said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. That name is Jesus. You'll never find anyone in Scripture being baptized literally using the titles. Never happened. They were always baptized in the name of Jesus. And Peter Connect these dots here. Peter, who Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom, the message to save the world, preaches on the day of Pentecost with the revelation and the knowledge that the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Peter was a monotheistic Jew who understood that Jesus is indeed the Father of us all, the Son in the flesh, and the Holy Ghost in spirit, because according to Scripture, God is a spirit. After Jesus tells the disciples to go and wait to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, by the way, He tells them in Acts 1 and 8 that you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And soon after, when they had been filled with the Holy Ghost, Accompanied by the evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue, the people asked Peter, who Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom, 
You need to look back at John 3 and 5 when Jesus explained how to enter the kingdom. I can't get in without the keys. Well, Peter had the keys. Skeeter had the peas. <laughs> you don't get it. That's okay. They asked Peter, how can we be saved? And Peter preached the revelation given to him by Jesus and said in Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is what we believe about salvation. Water and spirit. We don't believe that about salvation to be controversial. This is what was taught from the beginning until hundreds of years later, men started to change what was written. Well, they can't change what was written. They just changed what they believe about it. Really, this is because people, they get upset, man. They say, well, that's all, that, it's, it's works. You base your salvation off works. You, you, it's a works-based salvation. It doesn't work. Jesus freely gives salvation. This is, he said right there, it's a gift. It is, it is a, a free gift. But I still have to take it. I have to reach out my hands and grab it and take it. Someone gives me a gift. I Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. People get so frustrated. They say, y'all are doing too much. It's really very, very simple. It's very, very simple, really. I mean, I'm not making light of it. I understand Peter preached with revelation, and there was a lot that built up to that, but that revelation is not hard to get because they said, how... Can we be saved? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. That is how you are saved according to Scripture. And we see throughout the rest of the book of Acts the way that the church carried on whenever they preached and taught and conversion was taking place. you got to understand they were having church services. It's the apostolic church, just like us. And here they are, they're, they're, they're blowing and going. And whenever you see that they were teaching, they were preaching, and conversion was taking place, that they were baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and they were laying hands on them and praying for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And you won't find it any other way. Even those who were baptized under John's baptism, John the Baptist, when he was on the earth at the same time as Jesus, was baptizing people. Even those people that were baptized under John's baptism were rebaptized by Paul. There's scripture that it's okay to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. 
They were baptized the same way Jesus was. They were rebaptized by Paul and afterward filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He asked them, how were you baptized? Because it mattered. He, if it didn't matter, he wouldn't have asked them. Why would he put so much emphasis, how then were you baptized? Baptized in John's baptism. Baptized under repentance. But he said, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Another two, when two disciples, Aquila and Priscilla, heard the preaching of the passionate Apollos. He was preaching good. They were like, man, this, this guy's preaching. He's tearing it up. This is good stuff. But there's a few things that we need to show him. And they met with him in order as to, as the scripture says, expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. They said, man, what you're preaching is awesome. Let me show you the, the missing piece of the puzzle here. Let me, ex- not, they didn't say you're wrong, Apollos. They didn't say you don't know anything, Apollos. They didn't say you're backslid, Apollos. You're a false prophet, Apollos. They said, let us expound to you the way of God more perfectly. Because this isn't about me being right. It's about what the Bible says. And tonight, I'm just preaching to you the Word of God. I haven't preached anything that's not Scripture. I preach to you the command and the commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Paul said, whose I am and whom I serve. And I, I'm standing here tonight to tell you the way that we're saved and why we believe that this is the way to obtain salvation is because the Scripture says it. The Bible says it. The Word of God says it. And it's not hard. It's not hard, church. I understand a lot of you in here tonight, I'm preaching things that you know and that you believe. What I want us to understand is why we believe it and help us as the apostolic church to not have an identity crisis when the world around us is having an identity crisis. I believe in being patient. I believe in being long-suffering. I know that, that, that when people come into the church that they're, they're, they're babies in Christ, that, that everybody's not at the same you know, the same point in their walk with God as the person next to them. I believe in, in being patient and being kind and being loving and being welcoming to everybody. Always. Never being ugly. Never using this word of God to beat people over the head with it. Never shoving anything down anybody's throat. But you have to stand for something. We can't say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and not stand for anything or not know what we stand for. Because ultimately, people need to be saved. Ultimately, people need to obtain salvation. We can't just sing to them about salvation and, and, and just, just tell them, you know, you need to be saved, you need to be saved, and not know why we believe what we believe about salvation. It's because it's the only thing ever written in the Word of God about salvation. And the apostolic church is the only church 
that you find in the Word of God. And so, you know, I, I don't know, may, maybe someone in here tonight, you have believed differently. Maybe your parents or grandparents believed differently. Maybe you were brought up in, in a different denomination. I'm not here to bash any of that. And we never should. I stand here to expound to you the way of God more perfectly. It's not my word. It's his word. And it's not my personal interpretation of the Bible. It is the truth of the word of God. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can stand with me tonight as the music comes. I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute. The Word of God never, ever, ever contradicts itself. And I know I sound like a broken record, but I hope that you understand where I'm coming from with this tonight. I could, you just saw me pick up about six pages that I didn't get to tonight (laughs) because I would be it'd be a long time but my goal tonight is to help us as the church to understand why this is essential to our identity as the church what what we believe that's like I said earlier Noah didn't build nine or ten arcs and say you know Pick one out that you like and that that fits best with what you believe and what you're comfortable with. And the Bible says that in the last days, it'd be like the days of Noah. And I, mm, I, I felt the Holy Ghost when I said that. There was one ark in the days of Noah. And in these last days... There's one way. And I get emotional talking about it because I'm passionate about it. This this is the truth that saves us. This is the truth that says, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. This is the truth that makes us free. It's not about being hateful and it's not about me being right, but it's the Lord, He said, I'm giving you this and after I, after you receive it, take it to the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. I can't not preach the gospel. I can't not preach the gospel. And so as we come to these altars tonight, if you've never experienced this salvation, tonight you can be baptized in the name of Jesus. I would encourage you to get a place in this altar and repent and tell the Lord, Lord, I'm laying all this stuff down. I'm laying this old life down. And you can get in that water tonight in the name of Jesus and have your sins remitted just like the Bible says. If you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, It's a gift from God. It's not a magic trick in in Pentecostal churches. It's a gift from God. And you don't have to understand it to receive it.
you can receive it tonight. So you can have those things. And for the rest of us that have experienced these things, can we come find a place in these altars tonight and just, I want us to do two things. I want us to thank the Lord for this great salvation. I want us to maybe reobserve the cross and thank the Lord again for this great salvation. And then I want us to ask the Lord, God, continually just ingrain this in my spirit, Lord. Help me to never lose my identity, but to always be ready to give an answer, to always live this and proclaim this because I love your truth. Let's, let's, let's talk to the Lord tonight, church.
Jesus. My, my, my. I tell you, that's the kind of preaching and teaching gets me. I can't hardly be quiet over there. I was like, hey, wait. Oh, I was just flipping through stuff. And I was like, I want to just raise my hand and say, can I interrupt for a second? But it was right what it needed to be. And, uh, boy, I tell you, the, that word is so precious and so real and true. And when you, when you study and see what God's word really says, man, it's, when that light comes on, it's going, it, it, it will affect the heart. It's, it was evident on the day of Pentecost when Peter said, This same Jesus that you have crucified is both Lord and Christ. You know, Peter was a Hebrew. He was a Jew. And Jesus coming to the earth did not change what they believed about the oneness of God. He just had the revelation that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He, he knew that this same Jesus was both Lord and Christ. And, and when the rest of those Jews heard that, that's why it moved them so much because, oh, this is who we've been looking for, <laughs> our Lord. And, and so they were moved. And so, he, well, what do we do to fix this? And he told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for it. It's, it's a promise unto you, to your children, all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What a promise. And I think about the, the church. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. He was talking about the revelation that he was the Christ. Peter had that revelation, and he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And later in Scripture, in the letters to the churches, it tells us that we are built. Well, who's doing the building? Christ is doing the building. But we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You know that nobody preaching in Acts could refer back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? You know where they was preaching? That's why Peter's message on Pentecost was started with in Psalm and went to Joel and kept moving through the prophets. He, he wasn't, you know, Peter never, he wasn't preaching from Romans chapter 10 or any of that. He was, he didn't have it. You know, he, and John 3.16 was written years after the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was 50 days after the Lord resurrected. I mean, or after he was crucified. So, I mean, so they didn't even have John 3.16. What they had was what, what God gave them. When Jesus told them, go and preach repentance and remission of sins in my name, beginning at Jerusalem, that's what they did. And that's where the church was born, and that's where the church was, that's where it was started, that's where it was added to, and it was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus is not going to build off of anything but his word and his teachings. And so, well, man, I, I'm, I gotta, I, I'll, I'll just tell you to be seated for another hour. I'll, I'll keep going. But it's a fact that you can't be saved outside of the church. I mean, anybody knows that. The church is the bride. Christ is the head. And, and it was where you find people were added to the church Acts chapter 2 
that day were there about 3,000 souls added. And then God added to the church daily. How was he adding? Every time they believed that scripture or obeyed that scripture, they were added to the church. I guess I'll stop. Good. Fantastic. Fantastic teaching tonight. It is a great salvation. Paul said, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, just one. Praise God. All right. Hey, um, quick announcement. If you thought you had anything to do over here on Friday, you don't because they're going to be staining the brick and we won't have access to the building. So um, they'll be spraying and painting and doing whatever it is they do, but we won't be able to cross into the doors and back out. So nothing going here on here on Friday. There'll be Sunday the front of the church will look a lot different. So excited about that. Pray that it all goes well. And we'll see you on Sunday. It's going to be a great service. God's going to move and bless in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's come expect and invite somebody to be with you. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.